0: Back to Twibley, or this week was way better last year. My name is Bill with one L. With me, he comes bounding into room and says, "Say, does anybody know how to Madison?" It's Mr. <laughs> Jeff huge <McLaushuge. laughs>
1: Lately, I come into rooms and I say, "There can be only one." But yeah, I, I also yeah. do the Madison thing.
0: Sure. What's up? How are you? I'm, People want to know. We I'm, we need I'm an good. update, Jeff.
1: I, I'm good. Uh, here's here's an update for our friends in the audience. Uh, I met with my primary care guy today and looked over the medication that I'm taking. Yep. Talked with him about my experience in the hospital. And he sort of shook his head in the course of all this. And he said, you're still doing stuff. I said, yeah, I'm still doing stuff. He says, you're still walking around. I'm still walking around. He says, you're still going to the gym. I said, well, I'm going to start again. And I'm going to do some yoga and some strength training and some cardio. And he said, you're off this weird scale that we have for people with a heart like yours. Like most of the time, people with a heart like yours just sit here and try to breathe. And you're not (laughs) like that. You're you're able to do things and get around and like live a comfortable, happy life. You're an abnormality. So um, I learned today that I'm an abnormality which is a weird thing to learn, but it also very comforting.
0: Yeah. It's a, It's also like a polite... It sounds like a polite insult. you know. <laughs> right, maybe. Like, do you remember when we were in school, there was... I forget the girl's name, and obviously I wouldn't want to drop her name on the show anyway, mm-hmm. but uh, there was a girl who was active, shall we say. She was an active mm-hmm. young lady. And... Our teacher, Mr. Gagliardi, can't very well call a one of his students a slut, you right. know? So he just paused and he goes, you're very gregarious, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Which,
1: she was very she was very giving.
0: Yeah, a hilarious insult. To me. I mean, it was like an under, uh, a left-handed insult, I guess you could say. But mm. those who caught it, caught it, you know? <laughs> So yeah, calling, I, calling you an abnormality is just like a very polite way of saying you're a weirdo, I guess. But yeah, I'm a weirdo. Um, I've got
1: a, I've got a weird, confusing body and heart. So yeah. but you well, know, I'm feeling good, and I can't complain. We'll take it. All right. So
0: uh, onward and or onward and upward to a uh, best of Twibbly episode. All right. July the 3rd, 1940, the Abbott and Costello radio show makes its debut on NBC radio. Uh, sponsored by... Oh, nice. Yeah, sponsored by Camel Cigarettes.
1: Well, those don't get advertised anymore. No, not much. Uh, yeah, yeah. You don't hear a lot <laughs> about them, yeah. Brought to you by the hack and cough industry. Yep.
0: Uh, All those commercials. Because I have a bunch of the old Abbott... Well, I used to have a bunch of the old Abbott and Costello shows on cassette. Mm-hmm. My parents... There's a generation skip between me and my parents. I mean... Of course, there's a generation skip.
1: You know, yeah, it would be weird if there wasn't. Yeah, though. I
0: went to high school with my own parents. Um, <laughs>
1: my name's Marty McFly. Yeah.
0: No, there was. there's a, a, a double generation skip between my, my parents and myself. My parents were both well into their 40s when I was born, but my parents were both born in the 1920s. They grew up with Abbott and Costello and stuff like that, so by proxy, so did I. Just like... You know, yeah, you're going to watch movies from like the eighties and the nineties sometimes with your kids. You know, that's how I was growing up. I watched like movies from, you know, the forties and the old classic horror movies. And my father loved Abbott and Costello movies. So we'd watch those all the time whenever they were on like the movie loft or whatever. So we used yep. to have all these cassettes. Oh, the movie loft. Yeah. We used to have all these cassettes of Abbott and Costello radio shows. And even to this day, I'll go back and I'll listen to them because there's plenty of podcasts. To have
1: the old shows on them. Yeah, that's true, and and I know I can find them on like as just audio recordings on YouTube too. And they're funny. They hold up like that kind of language humor. It, it's hard to make that not funny. Right. And there's so much wordplay that that still keeps it fresh and fun to listen to even now.
0: Right. I mean, and you take something like "Who's on First, which is the absolute right. classic, Abbott Costello. Right sketch you know you've heard it a million times and you know you and i could probably just spit it right out almost wor- you know word for word or at least close enough to it but their delivery of it is so masterful right. if you and i do it it's not that funny they do it it's hilarious
1: it's hilarious yep i agree i agree and there's something to be said too when you, the only medium that you have is what your ear can hear you have to uh, crafting the humor, crafting the joke takes time. You have to consider that you, you're limited to sort of like one dimension, right, or one way of getting that information in. Uh, sort of like what we're doing here, right? There's no pictures of us. We're not on video or anything like that. So
0: for better or for worse. So
1: yeah. for better or for worse. So the amount, like the amount of work that they have to do and to do it live oh, and yeah. it be consistent is incredibly difficult. Is that a
0: trivia question this week? How many fingers am I holding up? Uh,
1: Eleven all of them <laughs> Bill.
0: they are holding them all. Yeah, Abbott and Costello started off as vaudeville, moved on to radio and then had a very uh, a successful movie career and then a re- uh, t- television career after that as well. Yep, yep. I have just about all of the Abbott and Costello movies. They they, they came out as box sets and I bought them all.
1: They were responsible for the sort of resurgence and in, uh in interest in Universal's horror films because they had they'd fallen into like low budget town. Right. And then they did what well, Abbott and Costello I Meet mean, Frankenstein, I think was the one that sort of reinvigorated the, for all the franchises. And they started making more monster movies after that.
0: Right. I think they did a Wolfman one as well. And, and, uh, and we'll probably talk more about this again in a couple of minutes, but Bud Abbott is probably in my either, either first or second. His, the tiebreaker will come later. Straight man, the, be, the, like the best straight man in, in, uh. Right. You know comedy history. Let's uh let's get on to the, the firecracking Fourth of July.
1: There's a whole bunch of things we could talk about on the Fourth of July, but I'm gonna pick the one that is the closest uh, and nearest and dearest to my heart. Fourth of July, 2015. Matt Megatoad Stony defeats eight times hot dog eating champion Joey Jaws Chestnut at the annual Nathan's Famous Coney Island hot dog eating contest by consuming 62 hot dogs.
0: Oh my god! And then what? Do you know what the time frame is on the?
1: When I watch the video, it. it seems to take place in real time and it's like they have like 5 minutes my god which is not a lot of time to eat 62 hot dogs oh let me tell no. you
0: like the remember yeah the like weird contest when you were a kid like you can't eat a slice of bread in under a minute it's 62 hot dogs
1: 62 hot dogs and Look, I'm a vegetarian. I'm not not telling you what lifestyle choices to make. <laughs> but when when it when it finally breaks, when I finally go, give up on vegetarianism, which it's going to happen inevitably, right. it's going to be hot dogs that break me. Hot dogs are one of my absolute favorite things in the whole world to uh, eat. So sitting here watching Matt Megatoad Stony on YouTube as we're researching the show this week, gobble down hot dogs. All I wanted to do was cook a whole packet of hot dogs and eat them all. There there
0: are a lot of vegetarian options. You know, foods that are made, you know, from plant matter and stuff like that. And I have had vegetarian hot dogs that are very good. And I have had vegetarian hot dogs that I don't know what the hell I was eating. It was shaped like a hot dog, but it, it did not have any other resemblance to a hot dog whatsoever. Yeah,
1: see, my, for me with hot dogs is I don't like those odds. So <laughs> with – <laughs> with hot dogs made out of animal matter, I don't care what animals are in them. They all taste good, right. all of them. Yep. From the hot dogs that you like that you get where it's like hot dogs is spelled wrong on the packet <laughs> to the ones that are like the you know, sconelands, natural casing, whatever, mm. the ones that are like expensive, they all taste awesome. I don't care. They're great. My concern with ones that aren't made of animal products is like, it's just that defeats the whole purpose of the hot dog, I think.
0: The ones that I had, the vegetarian hot dogs that I had that were really good, they were really, like, the texture was right, the flavor was right. They, they, they actually had a lot of flavor to it. A lot of times with those Impossible meats, they have a little too much flavor, and that's how these hot dogs were. They were perfect. They had this perfect thing to them. However, they produce the amount and uh, and potency of intestinal gas that yeah. that could end a marriage. Yeah, yeah it was Awful! Like, my coworker was, like, yelling at me. He's like, dude, what is wrong with you?
1: <laughs> I did that to myself with a black bean burger back at a job that I used to have. It was so good, though. But it, it took so long to get my pelvis back up my ass that I just never ate one again after that. I I, fart, I farted so hard some of my vertebrae came out. <laughs> he said to me, he goes, what did
0: you eat? And I was like, oh, these like vegetarian <laughs> hot dogs.
1: Never! Eat
0: those again on a work night. <laughs> Definitely. Words to live by. Yep, yep. And real quick, what's your favorite uh, hot dog topping? What's, if you're going to have a hot dog, what are
1: you eating? Yeah, I can't say topping as a single item. Okay. I just can't. If, if I was sitting down and I was laying out a plate of delicious hot dogs, it would be sauerkraut, mustard, onions, pickles, hot peppers, and just a little bit of ketchup. Oh,
0: you're a pregnant girl. Uh, I'm pretty simple. I, I like cheese dogs. And I'll I'll mix I'll mix
1: it up every once in a while with a chili dog. I, I like I love chili dogs. I like cheese dogs too. But like if I was just, like I'm all about the kraut the vinegary stuff on it. It's so good. I ate a two
0: freaking foot long hot dog at Universal Studios. It was
1: it was vulgar. I didn't I didn't have any hot dogs when I was here, but I did have hamburgers. And I watched a mother have a meltdown in the Fantastic Four Cafe. <laughs> Because her two kids ate her extra pickles before she got to the table. And she like <laughs> legit, she like legit had a psych, psychotic episode. You are going up my for two adoption, kids. you little s**t. She <laughs> was like, those were my pickles. You ate my pickles. And the father's like, oh my God, did you eat your mother's pickles? And she's like, well, that's the only thing that's keeping me from killing you all is those pickles. And the poor kids were like. We just wanted some pickles. She's like, I hate you. I hate this whole family. I I looked at my kids. I'm like, I don't know if we want to eat here anymore. (laughs) It was super funny to watch that woman have her. She just went right over the edge. Right as we watched, it was awesome. I'd never seen anybody have a complete nervous breakdown before over pickles, but there it was. It's uh, July the 5th. In 1994, a little one-man operation started up in... Uh, California, I think. And it was a, an online, the first online book selling company called Amazon. Heard of it. And it started by a guy named, oh, it was in Washington, Bellevue, Washington, by a guy named Jeff Bezos. And he went on in a relatively short time, especially if you think about it in like internet years, to pretty much wipe out chain bookstores worldwide and has sort of set about becoming the sort of online one stop shop for all things of all types. Of all people would ever need. Ship to your door without too much trouble. Now that may sound like an advertisement, but it's not.
0: Oh no. It's but, just a statement of oh, fact. Oh no, we're making fun of him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, I think he's the richest person on the planet right now, too, with like 40 billion. They have to make up another illion type of dollars money for him because billions and trillions i don't think cover anymore yeah
0: i think i seem to remember them saying he's on track to be a trillionaire within the next six years
1: got divorced about a couple years back right and it was like 550 million dollars that he gave to his ex-wife you know when she was like, kind of out of the picture yeah. and i was like 500 that's a lot of money um that's a lot of cake yep oof, imagine what it was like splitting the house Every now and then he gets to go, you know, stand in front of Congress and answer questions, too, about business practices and things. And
0: It was really interesting, like, um, I remember, like, in the 90s, around, around here anyway, like, Walmart didn't really hit this area until, like, I think the late 80s or early 90s. You know, they were more of a Southern thing. And I just remember hearing about them, like, you know, oh, they move into town, then all the mom and pop shops close down, and nobody goes to the mom and pop shops anymore, and now Amazon... You know, it was giving Walmart a really big run for their money, especially over the last year when everybody was locked in their
1: houses. I don't know that with everybody being locked in their houses for the better part of a year, if, if, if it would have been as, I'm not going to say it was easy because it wasn't, but as logistically doable for people if they didn't have the, the technology and the infrastructure to be able to do things like order from the internet and get books and records and clothes and stuff from Amazon. But like their whole business model became one that got adopted by Food shipping companies like HelloFresh, again not advertising them or anything, but or like what Instacart and other stuff that you could go and build that sort of online checkout, right, and then have the stuff shipped to your house. So it made it easy to limit contact when contact needed to be limited.
0: Everybody can on Amazon all they want, but it was a lifeline. It was a lifeline in, in the last year. And also, I'm, I'm a big fan of their Prime Video service. They have a lot of really good old 1980 R
1: movies on there. Yeah, they. It is pretty good. It's hard to navigate. Oh,
0: their selection is great. Off put by their interface, which sucks canal water. Yeah,
1: it is terrible. Yeah. Yep. And it's also my favorite place to go when I'm when I've had too much wine and all of a sudden I get packages. I get presents from (laughs) I get presents a couple of days later. Like, where where did this come from? I ordered it. Oh, (laughs) does anybody have a good time frame on
0: when that whole two day shipping is going to come back into effect? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I know, I have a bunch of stuff outstanding, like yeah, some... That
0: quietly some, went away.
1: Well, I suppose it had to when the demand would have been so great that it, they couldn't have done it, right, right. you know? I mean, they pretty much built their own postal service to deliver their own delivery service to build their stuff. They stopped using, right. what, like UPS and all the last-mile carriers. They, they said, yeah, we'll just hire people to do that and give them trucks, and, right. and that's what they did.
2: July 6, 2016, Pokemon Go by Niantic is released. And everybody went for lots of walks <laughs> for the first time in years. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, um, I've um, i actually never played that, but I used to play this game that was similar to it called Ingress, and it was actually by the same company.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that.
0: Yeah, did you play Pokemon Go?
2: Um, I did when it first came out, because I, I like the idea of just kind of getting out and everybody in my house is playing it, so we all joined the same team and we would like... Go to all the gyms, and we met some. We actually met some cool people, um, but it just kind of didn't last. It was, it was just too much of a commitment. <laughs> I uh,
0: I remember like I go to the beach, but I don't go to like the sandy part of my beach. There's this like grassy knoll that I hang out at. That I refer to it as the church. And you know, I go there because it's kind of quiet. There's not like a lot of people. But that summer, there was all sorts of people all walking around because I guess there was a couple of gyms near there.
2: Uh, That's cool.
0: Yeah, it's like yeah, it's cool. But also, get away from me. I'm trying to listen to Pink Floyd. Yeah, right. (laughs) When we went to, uh, so I was playing Ingress around that same time, and we had gone to California, right? Right. I, I came as close to killing a person. We oh were, my God. yeah, we were walking around Hollywood Boulevard, you know where all the stars are, and each star had its own like little portal, which is similar to the Pokemon Go gym, right? Right. So I wasn't really doing anything; I was just collecting supplies and collecting supplies and collecting supplies. Yeah. And, I, and I said that you know I'm just gonna basically blow up New Bedford whenever I got back home.
2: <laughs> right.
0: So cut two. We're heading home. We're getting on the airplane. And I jokingly said to uh, the guy that I was traveling with that I was going to see if there was any portals on the plane. There's not going to be any portals on the plane. Portals are usually with landmarks, you know. Right. Three feet from the cockpit. this ding, This ding goes, yeah, just don't say you're going to blow up the plane.
2: Oh, my God.
0: I came as close to killing a person. Like literally, if anybody would have overheard that, we would have been hitchhiking home. Right. Oh my God! You don't say sh- sh- like that, you dingling. I know, oh. right?
2: <laughs> Things not to say at all in that yeah. situation. Right. Not even a little bit.
0: Yeah. So. Um,
2: yeah, we have a cute little park around around the block, and I remember it was—it's like one of those nice memories where, like, it's summertime. It was summertime, and like. You know everybody There was so many people out walking it was kind of nice at one point mm-hmm. we just walked and found this restaurant that's like in a neighborhood it's like a weird placement and like we just kind of like people don't walk around their neighborhoods that much anymore at least like you know i mean you're super active but um it's just like really nice memories of walking down the street and just being happy that i'm like in the warm air and i'm just like doing something i'm enjoying and you know it's like it's cool
0: yeah. Until so the the uh,
2: sorry, I was just embodied by Alanis Morissette. My bad.
0: <laughs> the uh, it, it's it's great and like every like I said, I never really played it because I don't know anything about Pokemon to begin with. Yeah, it was cool that everybody was out, everybody was like walking around and doing stuff and all that. I mean, yeah, they were kind of like face down, noses stuck in their phone, but at least there was like fresh air to be had yeah. and stuff like that. And there was a sense of community to it as well, you know. And then, of course, you know, it only a matter of time, it's like... And then the contrarians, like, just come out of the carpet. It's like, oh, wait, is there something popular? I hate it.
2: I must hate it aggressively. I must...
0: And I I don't think you're going to go the day without me telling you that I hate it.
2: Yeah. I hate a lot of things, and I keep my mouth shut. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) I hate contrarians.
2: uh, God, contrarians kill me. Contrarians and one-uppers.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> one
2: freaking upper's
0: kill me. Next up on July the 7th, we have the only surviving member of the Beatles, <laughs> Richard Starkey, or as we know him, Ringo Starr. He's the last one left after George Harrison died. Paul went first in 1966, as we all know. And then blew his mind out. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ringo Starr, the drummer from the Drummer uh, from the Beatles. Uh, then he went on to have a solo career, uh, you know, a successful solo career and a successful acting career. I mean, ne- never lived up to the hype of the Beatles, like on his own, but I always liked Ringo. I always thought Ringo was funny.
1: You know, I think, I think he's an interesting guy. There's some really funny videos of him, like in like the early seventies with Keith Moon, he and Keith Moon, really good friends oh, yeah. where they're sort of hamming it up for the camera. And it's, they're really funny. I-, I liked the movie caveman. Yep, I remember seeing that in the movies with my parents. And
0: I saw Ringo alive with the, uh, Really? With the All Star Band, yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was uh oh, nice. the other people in the band. I saw Edgar Winter, one of the guys from Mister Mister, one of the guys from the Romantics, and the drummer from David Lee Roth's band.
1: Ringo's always the one that's always that's always talked about. Like, oh he's not really like a good musician in the band or anything. But like, as far
0: as performing goes,
1: no. he has never stopped. He's literally been doing this since 1963.
0: I love that quote from John Lennon. They're like, is Ringo Starr the best drummer in the world? It's like
1: best drummer in the world. He's not even the best drummer of the
0: Beatles. <laughs>
1: You can watch him talk about how he plays in some videos, too, and it's really interesting, and he's really humble, and I don't know. I I like the guy. What can I tell you? July 8th, 1969. Twister, possibly the most fun game you can have with your clothes on or off. Speaking of sexy. Is is patented by Milton Bradley. So put your right hand on yellow, your left hand on green, your right foot on red, and your naughty bits on the other red. Me. One of the other reds. Good luck with that. But Twister, it's been it's been around since wow a long time, just about fifty three years. Yeah, yeah, that was a
0: staple. I mean,
1: when we were kids, we had that. Everybody had that.
0: It wasn't really fun. Is you know, I just had my brother and myself,
1: and you can't really spin and play at the same time. That's true. It makes it you can for the first couple of rounds. Yeah, and then it's like, ugh, Mom, Mom! <laughs> can you come spin this? I bought that game so you'd leave me alone. <laughs> Sorry, Mom.
0: You get to be like a teenager and then you you know you start giggle, giggling. You're like, hee hee, naked twister, hee hee hee. And then as you become an adult, you're like, yeah,
1: that is totally what the game was invented for. Is there a socially acceptable way for me to put my b on your face? No? <laughs> well, let's do let's make a game out of that, shall we?
0: Clothed twister is the secondary game, yeah. Alright, moving on to the ninth. July the ninth, nineteen ninety-seven. Oh, I remember when this happened. I was over at your house. Not so much the incident, but the aftermath. Mike Tyson is banned from professional boxing and is fined $3 million for biting the ear, essentially off, of
1: Evander Holyfield during a uh, title fight. Yeah, I remember that. He came out and he said, "I'm very sorry." <laughs> I'm very sorry for biting off Amanda Holyfield's ear during that box match that I was apparently in while I was in on drugs. I remember watching the fight.
0: the The whole fight it wasn't much of a fight. It was a lot of defense on Holyfield's part. Uh, Holyfield kept clinching and kept clinching and kept clinching, and then Tyson, who is not renowned for his patience. <laughs> Got fed up with it and bit his ear off. And he bit it, you know,
1: with a a mouth guard in, which is doing. That takes some bite force.
0: Yeah. I remember when that happened. I just remember you yelling at the TV screen,
1: you piece of shit! Yep. And I was, I, I don't even know if I was yelling at Hollyfeld or Tyson at that oh, point because yell, I was like, Tyson. get him out of the clinch. Like, or yep. Mills Lane, who was the referee. Yep. Tyson kept trying to pull his arms out and looking at him like, dude, what are you going to do, dude? Like, he keeps, he won't stop grabbing onto me. And and when he, he bit Hollyfeld twice. Yeah. He bit him once and didn't break the skin. And Hollyfeld is like patting his ear and going, hey, he just bit me. And then he's like, nope, just keep fighting. And then he clinched up again. And that's when he bit the ear off. Yep. I think it was
0: earlier this year, Mike Tyson. Uh, got into the edible business and was selling, ed- uh, you know, gummy edibles that were in the shape of a bit off ear.
1: <laughs> yeah, Look, dude, you got to lean into stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, you got to wear it like a badge of honor. And it's funny, like, I feel bad, one, laughing at Mike Tyson because he could still kill me. Two, yes. I, I feel bad sort of boosting him because, look, the guy went to jail he's, like, not a great dude. Right. Three... They bit off of Randall Hollifeld's ear, even though I thought Hollifeld was over overrated boxer. That still isn't a reason to bite off his ear. But, like, there's an endearing quality to him in that he's sort of dealt with all of this stuff and continues to stay in public and seems relatively unflappable. I don't know. It's it's weird. Like, I, I find myself thinking he's more like his cartoon character of him on Mike Tyson's Mysteries than him as the real person. He's definitely a very interesting
0: person. Like, for better or for worse, you know, good or bad, like him, hate him, he's not boring. No. I think, hopefully, by the time this airs, this the most recent incident on Tyson is when he went all, like, kung fu nasty on that dude on the
1: airplane. Yeah. Um, that that guy had it coming. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, he did have it coming. I watched that video.
0: Um, there's laws against just beating the holy shit out of somebody on an airplane. And there's also laws against harassing. Both of those gentlemen did some bad stuff that day. That's that's what I'm gonna say.
1: No, I, I agree. You know, and uh, you know me, I'm a free speech advocate, but like, there are consequences too. <laughs> like, there are times where you have to, like, you know what? I'm just not gonna say anything. Yeah. Right now. Like I
0: said at the beginning of the segment, the the guy is not renowned for his patience.
1: Right. Don't tease the dog. You know. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't tread on Superman's cape. Don't spit into the wind. Don't make fun of Mike Tyson on a crowded airplane. The worst song ever.
0: What what do we have? What do you have this week? What is our contender this week for the worst song ever? Because I know, because we've been putting this show together. This is like episode 20-something or whatever. And we discussed like, oh, what was the number one song this week? And then there was a couple of weeks ago you were like, (laughs) <laughs> oh, we got to do this song. I was like, it's coming up. Yeah. It's coming up. It's coming and up, it's yeah. here. So I know you've been Even champing time. at the bit. What is the oh, yeah. worst song ever for this week, yeah. Mr. McGlarge?
1: This week's worst song ever is the 8 minute and 32 second fourth longest song to ever go to number one pile of confusion known as Miss American Pie by Don McLean you will know this song because, one, once you hear it, it will never, ever, ever stop bouncing around in your head. Overplayed when it was new in 1972, and it was overplayed when it was old in 1982, and it was overplayed in 1992, and it's overplayed now.
0: So, yeah, we're talking about, of course, Don McLean's American Pie. That's one of those songs where, like, like, whenever karaoke was, like, a thing... And, uh, like, you, you go to the bar, and then you just sit here those long, long, and I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be the worst nine minutes of the
1: night. Right. Uh, I'll have a double of whatever I was having before. So you get eight and a half minutes to kill. The thing is, like, people who are singing it at karaoke for the first time, at some point, they must be in the middle of that, and they're like, what the f- hell is this song <laughs> even about? Because it goes from the whole, like, the day the music died line, you know, yeah. to uh, delivering papers and whatever. To this whole thing with the Joker and the King and the marching band and the friggin' woman and whatever, and it's all like impressionist. Uh-huh. Uh, and
0: I don't do impressions. My my training smart. is in psychology.
1: It's it's open to a lot of I- interpretation because it's ambiguous theories to what it's about or that you know it's about the end of the 1950s and innocence and the change in america from that idyllic i'm saying this with air quotes because in 2020 we know that the 50s weren't idyllic if you weren't white this the idyllic 1950s to the to the tumultuous 1960s and that 10-year period between 59 and 69 and and ultimately that's what it was about but it's so cloaked in Horse and bad rhymes that it's it's hard to make sense of it and not roll your eyes so far back in your head that you're looking at your own brain
0: even though we all know what song we're talking about let's play the all too familiar chorus
1: we're gonna play all eight minutes and 32 uh, seconds no it? absolutely not
0: i started singing bye bye miss american
1: pie drove my chevy to the levee but the levee was dry them good old boys we
0: what, what really gets me about like this song? I mean, not no Don McLean, notwithstanding. In the year 2000, Madonna released a cover of American Pie.
1: Yep, it still you know, sucks. No, it's it's
0: beyond sucks. I I I I venture that I think it's worse than the original because it's kind of like this like. Oh, yeah. Dancy number, and like in the video, she's like dancing up a storm. It's like you know, the day the music died is a, you know, you know about the death of Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper and Richie Valens. Money, you don't seem too broken up about the whole thing.
1: Yeah, and again, it's it's a testament to the the fact, I guess, that the ideas in the song are meant to be good. Like I have a problem with nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. Ironically enough, being on this podcast with you, but like something that so desperately calls back to. When I was a kid and things were great and I didn't have to worry about it except for delivering newspapers, yeah, yeah that's fine. But in the '70s, we ended up with like happy days, nostalgia, American hot wax nostalgia, Ugh, Laverne and Shirley nostalgia. Uh, we ended up with was George Lucas's first big movie.
0: Well, I don't forget like later on we had that '70s show and et cetera, et cetera.
1: Well, but like the '70s were like super, super tough about dragging in the 1950s and like the whatever the 1950s ideals that people imagined turn in were, all communists. You know, <laughs> you know, and it, it like this is like the very nascent beginning of that, that already longing for that like nuclear family sort of myth of America that the song is full of. Now I don't love I don't, like I said I like folk music, but I don't love Don McLean. I don't like Don McLean's music pretty much at all. He's got some other songs that were moderately popular, but none went as as far in the charts as this one. I don't know if you know the song Vincent, about Vincent Van no. Gogh, where he it starts out with Starry Night, Starry Night, blah, blah, blah. And he sort of talks about the painting and Vincent Van Gogh at the same time. It's a nice piece. It's also incredibly boring. I was about to
0: say, it sounds and boring.
1: <laughs> incredibly boring as a man with a one guitar and finger picking can be. But this song is different in that it's got a whole band with it. It's super produced. It's big. It's a big, big song. And because it's a big, big song, it's it's a staple on, it's still a staple on, on on radio. The only thing I like about him is, the quote that I like about him is, he keeps he kept being asked what, it, what the song was about. And basically he said, it means I don't ever have to work again if I don't want to. <laughs> I, I can appreciate that. Uh,
0: that- <laughs> my, and this American Pie uh, song follows my life. I don't have many standards in my life, but this is one of them. I don't like a song and I don't even like the Weird Al parody of it, then I really don't like that song. And I don't like the Weird Al parody of uh, The Saga Begins, which is based on American Pie.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You failed, Don McLean. You failed us all.
1: (laughs) Special thanks to James Costa for our theme music. Find us or message us on Facebook and Instagram at Twibly or T-W-W-W-B-L-Y subscribe if you haven't already and tell your friends they probably need a cool podcast to listen to as well and if you don't like this week's episode there'll be one next week and it'll probably be better